I mean, it was really awesome. I'm not going to lie, but also oh, such a sign of the times of like what we've been through for the last several months in that it still felt weird. I bet. And I was nowhere near anyone. Not, like, not really. Not no, really just at all. Makes you see, everyone's super paranoid and weird. It's well, just I'm just like, oh, time. my gosh, that person's 100 yards away. Are they too close? I'm like, no, they're not too close. <laughs> it, that, I mean, not at all. I'm perfectly fine. But still, at the same time, it's just it's just an odd feeling. It's something we're going to have to get used to. No, it to. is. And everything that goes through your mind is like, where have they been? Hello, everyone. This is Fun Employment Radio. I'm Greg Nibbler here with Sarah Stillen. Thank you so much for tuning in today, wherever and however you listen. It is so fantastic that you do so. Of course, we are live here five days a week on the Fun Employment Radio Network and available via podcast all over the internet, wherever podcasts can be found. And thank you for five Joining us, uh, lots to talk about today. We do have, of course, Mr. Rick Emerson, who's going to join us for our uh, Mondays. But Yay. before that, thank you, everybody who goes to FunEmploymentRadio.com, clicks on the Amazon link. That is one way to support us. We cannot have any of our events right now that we normally do. In yeah, any right way, now, shape, we'd or be form. like knee deep in events and be, you which know, all is, of our bingos and cornhole tournaments and everything, which is uh, which is a part of uh, Fun Employment Radio's income. So that it is. You know, I know there's a lot of things going on in the world, but that is definitely affecting us. And uh, so any kind of support we do appreciate, whether it's just going to our website and clicking through for something you're already going to buy. If you could be a supporters club member, you know, I'm just saying that's reality. I mean, it really it really does. I mean, if we're being transparent with you, that does help us out. That does help us keep being able to continue to do this show, particularly Um, since we can't have events, which, again, as Greg said, are the majority of what supports us. I mean, I would say it's substantial. Yeah, very much a substantial amount. Yeah. So. uh, So, yeah. So thank you to everybody who can. Either way, thanks for listening. Uh, so a lot to talk about today. And like I said, Rick's going to join us here in a minute. But uh, I do want to say it was nice taking a couple of days off to it at the same time. I so I did, uh, I did go over to the to Lincoln City, I which is my say, first time staying you somewhere You look else. a little more relaxed. I think I'm a little more relaxed. You I probably could have used about a week. Somebody who can feel your like crazy stress vibrations every day as I sit in this room with you, you seem like a like a lower hum. Yeah, it was needed mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I could probably use some more, but you know, hey, you take what you can get. Yep. And and uh, so it was just one quick night, but it was it's that was the first time I'd been away from my from here from home. Which, by the way, oh, it's a. Uh, July sixth, twenty twenty, the day of our in our apocalypse, and it's a Monday. You know, and we're broadcasting from from the home studio currently. We still haven't gone back to our Fun Employment Radio studio, and this was the first time in, gosh, almost four months that I haven't been home. Like that's how long it's been, and so it's it was a weird, it was a good feeling. It was nice to get out of the house, yeah, uh, but also a strange feeling. So I stayed at a hotel oh, because you're out of your like little cubby hole, like you know, this is this is well, like your bunker. Yeah, I mean, and we've you know we've just been in this for so long that, um, and I know it's going to be a lot longer. But yeah, it was it was just a strange feeling. And so the hotel that I stayed at, it was very safe. Like when I booked it, they they sent out like tons of messages about how here's how it's going to be safe and all this stuff, mm-hmm. and you know the regulations and masks are required and sanitization, all that stuff. So I was like, okay, I feel they're taking it very seriously because they don't want to get shut down. Obviously. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. So, um, so that was fine. And it was right by the beach. So getting down to the beach, you know, I was, got very lucky on the weather and it was, there was probably never a time where anybody was like within a hundred yards. So That's awesome. Yeah. Except so for like one time. Private beach. Kind of. Well, I mean, you could see other people, but they're off in the distance. <laughs> so just seeing people was strange in its own right. Just seeing that many people on the beach, even though they're all. It wasn't too crowded. Like it was all spaced out. The horizon. Yeah, I mean, but far enough away. But still, it's like, oh my gosh, there's other people around. Uh, that's weird. Uh, they're and they're not on a screen right now. Although I did have one uh, social distance instant that did happen, and it was because I was 
I was sitting there on the beach and had my hat off and it was laying on a blanket. And um, I look around and all of a sudden there's this dog running up. And it looked like a, an Irish setter, golden retriever uh-huh. kind of mix, which is what it turned so out to adorable. be. So adorable. Adorable. And comes bounding up. I'm like, well, hey, puppy. You know, I don't know where you belong to. but And so I'm petting it. And then it just turns around, looks at my hat, picks up my hat, and then is gone. <laughs> like walked up, straight up stole my hat. And, and I'm like, that is what hilarious. the hell? God damn it. So I started chasing and luckily there was this uh, couple that were further down the beach and the dog ran instantly over to them and I'm yelling out like, grab the hat, grab the hat. And so they, they grabbed the hat and, you know, we gingerly tossed it back to me. Um, and then the owner walked by and he was this older guy. He's like, I'm sorry. Uh, basically what he's trying to do is get you to chase him. So that's why he steals stuff like oh. that. So I'm like, all right. All right. That's well, all right. It's not going to happen. Yeah, not going to happen, but I do want my hat back. But no, other than that, it was a good it was a good break. It was oh, definitely that magical. Yeah, it was it was good. Well, everyone needs a reset every once in a while, so that's pretty nice. Yeah, it was I would say it's a half a reset, but it's definitely yes. was needed. Half a reset's better than no reset. Good. Yeah. Well, I've been like I actually I too rested this weekend, which was really nice because I have a pretty busy week coming up this uh this week, which I'll talk about later and um later in the week. Yeah. Um but I've had the weirdest, I know that it's a dream thing, but whatever. I had, last night, this is kind of strange for me because I woke up two separate times, which means I had three different, like, full-length dreams during the night, and I remember all of them. That's a lot of dreams. It was so weird. And so the first, like, can I tell you about them really quick? I just want to know if, if there's any meaning behind them. And one of them had you in it. Okay. So the first one I had, so I meant to ask you, and I was going to look it up. Who's the name of that creepy serial killer who write, who does like audio books, and he was in Mind Hunters? Oh, uh, um, that's uh, with the glasses. Uh, oh yes, hey, give me one second. I'll remember his name. It's um, Ed Kemper. Will, hey, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so, Ed Kemper sounds right. So this was Edmund Edmund Kemper. Okay. Yes. So this was fucking terrifying. I had a dream that, of course, I was in my house that I grew up in in Oak Harbor. And that okay. was just how it was again. And he was stalking me and broke into my house and was trying to murder me. Well, this isn't pleasant at it all. Was Why are you telling I woke us up, this? I was so scared because he looked, except for like he was actually the actor that played him in Mindhunter and he had like the glasses and stuff and everything was like really slow and I was trying to run away from him and I was like yelling for help. It was terrifying. So that one was short. That was a short one, but I woke up and I was so freaked out. It took me a little bit to go back to sleep because it was so realistic and I could feel him like grabbing me. So the second one. Wow, so this is a relaxing. <laughs> the okay. second, they're my dreams. The second one, I don't know if this means anything, but I've had these in my dreams several times before, and it's starting to happen more and more. Oversized insects. Oversized insects. Oversized insects. I seem to be having a lot of these, and usually. Wait a minute. They are I figured about out, like an ant. Wait, what? Going back to your first one, I figured this out. I know why you had that dream, and I can tell you why. Because I know, because you just like, I think it's like 20 million people or whatever, finally watched Hamilton over the weekend. Did you watch Hamilton on Disney Plus? I did. I did watch Hamilton. Okay, in Hamilton, because everybody watched Hamilton this weekend, because it's now it's available for, I watched it for the first time too. Um, the guy who plays King George is the actor from Mindhunters. Oh, you're right. And that probably reminded you of Mindhunters, which reminded you of Edmund Kemper. Oh, wow. Boom. That's Pieced good. it together. And also, I will say that he, uh, what's his name, like Josh Grommer or something? I can't remember his he name. Is, he was my favorite part of Hamilton, by the way. He's very good. I mean, I, I liked I liked it, the whole thing. I liked it actually more than I thought I would. It was it was very yeah. fun to watch. But he, I have to say, his songs were like my favorite. Yeah. He was kind of my favorite thing. and I think He also, was very good. He was 
very hilarious. Yeah. All right, so that could be it. Second one, I've been dreaming of big insects lately, and it was like, but it's usually like giant size ants, probably about the size, I don't know, of like three tennis balls put together. That's gross. It's super gross. But I, I, in my dream, I was in this mansion, and then my they were like crawling around on the floor, and I'm like, oh my god, what's that? And my dad was there, and he ended up like kicking them across the room. So he was just kicking these giant like tennis ball ants around, and it was really freaking me out. I don't know. I don't like that one. I Move don't on. like that one either. No, that's disturbing. And then the third one was the one you were in. Where I was in like a high school gymnasium and it, there was a huge, it was some sort of like pep rally kind of thing. And it was, uh, it was like honoring somebody um, who was like sitting at the front. I will tell you, it was actually the, the star of the show was our friend Daryl, who's videotaped a lot of our um, Daryl from Fox parties. 12. <laughs> friend from Fox 12. For some reason he Wait, was Darryl up at the front. In... Daryl was starring it. And it was like this big, like, you know, thanks Daryl for all that you do thing. And there was a special guest that was coming out. You were sitting next to me, and as like they were waiting, like everyone was waiting for like this thing to start, you were like, "Hey, I have to go to the bathroom." So you left the room and went to the bathroom. And right when you left, Michael Jordan came in, and he was the special guest. And he like came in, and everyone's just like, "Michael Jordan!" Oh my god, and freaking out. And so he like came and waved, you know, and like signed some autographs and stuff, and left. And after he left, you came back in. And I was like, oh, Greg, you just missed Michael Jordan. And then you started crying. <laughs> you were so, And I felt so bad for you because you were just like, I wanted to meet Michael Jordan. I started crying. You were crying. Wow. I don't know I if did. I would cry. But, I would like to meet him. I mean, if he was there and it was like, it was weird. okay, just, that'd be weird ran, if I missed. I am, in no way have I ever thought long, like deeply or at any length about Michael Jordan. So he That's was the weird. special guest and he came like trotting through the crowd and everyone was just like, Rah! and then you came back and you're like, oh, and I'm like, I'm sorry. And I was thinking, and in my I mind, started crying. Yes. And I remember thinking in my mind, like, this is so something that would happen to Greg. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is it. A hundred percent. The one time that you go to the bathroom would be like I could the one see time that, that happening. you missed meeting Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. And then I that was it. That. that was my last dream uh, before I woke up. I'm like, well, that was very odd. Also, Daryl probably should be honored for something. He's Well, he's, he's really an amazing he man. He uh, is incredible. But it was... So I remember I was like waving him at him when he like waved back and just like oh but this isn't my mom. I'm like let's you know let Michael Jordan hang out with Daryl. Wow. Okay. So, That's so, a lot so to serial unravel. killer, giant insects, and Michael Jordan. Well, there you go. That's the of trifecta Sarah of my crazy brain. All right. Well, speaking of crazy brain, let's go ahead and get uh, our, our buddy Rick Emerson on. <laughs> uh, so we're going to take a quick break here for those of you watching live. Uh, if this can be the podcast, it'll be like magic. He'll be right here. So ho- hopefully, we've had some issues, but hopefully. I think it's going to happen today. Okay, we feel like it's going to happen. Yes. All right. Uh, right back in a minute with more Fun Employment Radio. All right. From talking about Sarah's bizarre world of dreams where it's serial killers, giant bugs, and Michael Jordan. Yes. Uh, joining us now, <laughs> we have Mr. Rick Emerson. Hello, Rick. Wait, hold on. It's serial killers and what? I, so, so this is Sarah's... Sarah was just explaining what her dreams were last I had, night. I, had, I know it's dream talk, but I mean, it is strange. But it is. I had a series. So um, I wake up multiple times during the night. By the way, did we say this is Rick Emerson? I just did. Say okay, it. perfect. Um, so I usually wake up multiple times during the night, but usually I have like one set of dreams that I don't quite remember, you know, that I'll kind of remember. Last night I woke up twice and intermittently had three separate, like full length dreams. One of which I was being hunted by, what's his name? Uh, Ed, Ed Edmund Kemper? Kemp- Edmund Kemper. Wow. Okay. Which was yeah. fucking terrifying. It, but he was played, but in my dream, he was also played by the actor that played him in um, Mind Hunters. Was he like explaining in sort of interesting, but also excruciating detail why he was doing it? No. So my thought process, Sarah, <laughs> I was 
I was thinking that really, you know, I'm I don't have a special friend, and it's oh. part of a well-rounded life. I just my mother's like, voice oh, used to taunt oh, me. Oh, he's the one that did the thing with his mom's head, wasn't he? Yes. Oh yeah, Ew. the thing, the, the thing. thing with his mom's head. Here's, here's what's great is when you say the thing with his mom's head. There's only one thing. I know. Everybody knows. We all know what I mean. There's no other solution to that riddle. So anyway, oh, I'm right. sorry. Go ahead. No, and then the second dream I had, I was in like a mansion, and my my dad was there, and for some reason there were like these giant like bugs, like these giant like ants that were probably the size of like three tennis balls put together, and my dad kept kicking them across the room, and they were just crawling around. It was really gross. Um, but this is like one of a few dreams I've had over the past couple of weeks that involves giant bugs. I don't know why I don't think about bugs. They're in my subconscious. But then Greg kind of brought up the fact that I watched Hamilton for the first time. And the guy who plays King George is actually the main guy in Mindhunters. Well, at least for the um, for the Ed Kemper thing. And then I don't uh, know the guy that the... plays Holden. Yes, him. So yeah. he's amazing in Hamilton. He's but he's hilarious in that. So saw that, and then the third dream I had was that um, you remember our friend Daryl from Fox Twelve? I do. Yep. Yes. So for some reason there was like a big like celebration of Daryl because he was like you know rad or whatever, and he was just sitting at the front of this thing. And it was just a Daryl celebration. It was. And I mean, I love him, but I, we haven't spoken in a while. And then all of a sudden, Greg was with me, and Greg had to leave to go to the bathroom. And right when Greg left, Michael Jordan came in, and he was like the special guest, and everyone was like, "Ah, Michael Jordan." And he hung out for a few minutes and then left. And then Greg came back and he had missed Michael Jordan. And so he was crying. Greg was. <laughs> <laughs> I like how I went to crying for it. You were super crying. And I just remember thinking like, now, this I is mean, such a Greg thing. I'm not saying, you know, I wouldn't like to meet Michael Jordan. I would be upset if I missed, you know, all of a sudden he was so there. You're saying that it but I don't think true. I would cry. I don't think he'd be cry worthy to me. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I would start. But then again, you know, so anyway, I don't know what the emotional Sorry to everybody. I've just described my dreams twice <laughs> as much as everyone loves to hear about people's fucking dreams. But it was just okay, very well, strange. So first of all, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but I mean, I kind of actually wish that there was a psychologist listening right now or just also, or almost, this is almost like, um, this is almost like weird dream psychoanalysis refrigerator magnets because there's like Ed Kemper. Yeah. Then there's your dad. Then there's large insects, which I'm, I'm sure those represent something in dreams, you know, to or in psychiatry or whatever. Right. And then there's... And then I don't know. And for, at first, I thought you said Michael Landon for some oh, reason. Oh, with his beautiful hair? No, unfortunately not. <laughs> so, which is, so I was just thinking, I mean, maybe that's just because. So, I was thinking about Michael Landon last night for some reason, actually. Uh, okay. Um, I just want to say that I had Michael Landon thoughts just last week as well, but I'll get into that here in a minute. What? Yeah, I don't know why. Okay, Rick, please but, read to be describing your Michael so can, Landon thoughts. We can return to that, but I. So, I'm curious though, when, so when you dream. Like, do your dreams have, you know, because like sometimes people have very literal dreams or they're very surreal or sometimes people dream in black and white or there's a soundtrack. Like, are your dreams, um, I mean, I know there's bizarre things happening, but are they are they realistic? You know, in other words, like it's a weird situation, but it's happening in a way that seems very real or are they surreal? They're very realistic, except for like the locations. That's the one thing that seems to shift a bit. Like I will be in a house which will turn into a university which will turn into an apartment that I that I used to live in once my time but the consistency of the people and the experiences in it are always usually the same. But Do you have location- music in your dreams ever? Sometimes, yeah, and they're in color. And I mean like I could feel it like I could feel I I still remember the feeling of Ed fucking Kemper like grabbing me with this giant like meat arms. It was so Ugh, freaky. That's yeah. really unnerving. His giant meat arms. It was so freaky. Yeah. It was uh, not relaxing. 
as just so it, this is just a total I'm so glad we can have these conversations because I realize there's a lot of things that I can really only say to you guys. I was going to say to people I know, but it's not even that. It's just really to you because because otherwise they would just make me sound. It's like, do you ever get caught like buying something and there's a rational explanation for it, but you know that to the outside observer, it just, you look like a hoarder or a crazy person or a, you know, whatever. Like when I go to the dented can store and they have like a sale on something that I like. And so I just buy all of the, whatever they have in the oh, store. Yeah. So like, cause I went to this, uh, I went to this discount store in Southeast Portland a few weeks ago. And uh, like I bought, um, they had discount. I think we talked about this. They had discount Soylent. And so oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. it was like three for a dollar and they're normally like $4 each. And I was like, yeah. So I bought, I was like rolling this card up to the cash register. And I literally, I had like 30 bottles of Soylent and like a hundred protein bars. I just looked like some, <laughs> I looked like the world's like worst power lifter. I mean, I'm just like this <laughs> spindly guy who like clearly does not even lift bro. And like, and yet I'm buying all this stuff. Um, so, so it is with my thoughts. Cause I have this whole Ed Kemper thing that I've been meaning to ask you guys about. So first of all, I think we've <laughs> talked about the fact that this is a thing they showed in the in the Mindhunter series that actually is true, where they he he has read a bunch of audiobooks in the Vacaville Prison audiobook program, and I think the first one is Flowers in the Attic, which you can find online, and it's creepy <laughs> as fuck. Yeah. Um, and so, but there is online this transcript from one of his like it's like his most recent probation hearing, which of course resulted in them sending him back to a small room for another 10 years or whatever. But, but there's the transcript of his pro of his uh, 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 parole hearing is online and it's fascinating <laughs> and quite, and I have, there's just no way around this. It's fascinating and quite frequently hilarious because like at first you think he's kind of trolling them. And then, you know, he, like, I was like, well, is he just fucking with them because he realizes he's never going to get out. And so he's just playing it for laughs. But then you realize that there is, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I don't even know what you get in trouble for saying anymore. But it's like, I, so maybe, I, maybe he does seem like he's somewhere. He just, he's somewhere on that, you know, in that weird spectrum of, I, I don't know if, you know, if he has like a disorder or if it's just like a being removed from society for a long time. Mm -hmm. But he has like the, the weird engaged and and friendly but like doesn't quite understand how normal people talk or how oh yeah or abstract concepts he doesn't really quite process those quit licking the couch please sorry oh, yeah, was i wasn't gonna tattle but i saw this <laughs> that, um that file was indeed licking the couch. It, so you know so i don't know if he's ever been diagnosed with some sort of whatever or if it's just that he's you know a little wacky from having been you know been in the hole for so long or whatever but so so at one point, there's like a panel of three people that are interviewing him to to assess whether Ed Kemper is fit for parole. Oh boy! I mean, and they, everybody's sort of giving it the old, you know, they're they're all pretending like it's not just a formality, because you know the deal is he killed his grandparents when he was like 13 or 14 or something when he was a minor, and so they ask him. Oh, at I one didn't point, know. I I don't think I knew that. Yeah, he killed his grandparents, and then it was. But they um, they sealed his record when he turned 18 because it happened when he was a minor. And so that's why he was out, as they say, walking the streets as an adult. That's why he was able to apply to the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Office because they didn't know that he'd killed his grandparents. Because when you I think that I think that when you do that, when you're a minor, I think when you turn 18, they sort of seal it and they kind of wipe the slate clean. Whoa. And so. All right. 
you know, you're able to kind of start over. But but he did. I didn't know they did it for that severe of crimes. Yeah. I, I mean, that may have changed. They yeah. may no longer. Let's keep, keep in mind, I'm not really an expert on killing one's grandparents. <laughs> but it's, but uh, I believe that I think in most cases uh, in that era, at least, if you committed a crime and then if you were released, you know, at, at I think that they couldn't hold you past 18 at that point and so at 18 it was like you got a full reset it's like all right you're 18 you're out and also we're going to seal your record so they didn't know that but um and it event but it eventually did sort of come out and um uh anyway so they're so the parole board is interviewing ed kemper and and they're sort of you know bringing up this pattern of misbehavior uh in (laughs) his life if you'd like to call it that yes and so and so one of the so this one of the one of the people this woman who's on the parole board says so, um, so Mr. Kemper, um, you know, he, he walk us through and he has, you know, and of course he has this whole quote, rational explanation for why he does everything. And yeah. so he's, you know, and, and it's, he's like one of those guys where, you know, he can like, clearly he, it either makes sense to him or he's convinced himself of like a framework in which it's not crazy. So he has this whole thing like he wanted to kill his grandmother. Cause I don't know, she was whatever she annoyed him, but then he wanted to kill his grandfather because he thought that like his grandfather would probably just prefer that he's you know he's like well I didn't want to ruin his whole day by having him come home and find his wife dead that would be horrible oh my God. and so he and so instead he just like lurks behind the door with you know a shotgun and you know his grandfather comes home from a day at the quarry or whatever and is like hello Ed hello wife and bam one dead grandfather Jesus. and so Lord. so anyway so the so the woman the parole board is asking him about all this and she's and she you know and she's trying to get him to understand like the gravity of his actions and she says she says well so you know i mean what you know i mean if your grandparents if your grandparents were you know were here if you could talk to them if, if they if they were here in this room like what you know what would you you know how would you explain this you know to them how what would you know what would you would you apologize what would you say and his response is fantastic. Oh no! She says, "What would you say to your grandparents if they were here in the room?" And he just says, I, "I'm paraphrasing here, but he just says essentially, well, if they were in the room, I think they would be very confused because 25 years would have passed, and they wouldn't know why they were here, and they would expect to be in the kitchen in Pasadena. And also, I'm a lot older, and they'd wonder if they'd fallen through a portal somehow." So he like takes the question oh, totally man. literally. Wow. Like he doesn't grasp that it's a figurative question. And it's kind of, I mean, it is really <laughs> funny to hear him responding to this question as though it were like a literal inquiry about the nature of time travel and temporal displacement. And and then what's even funnier is the people on the parole board trying to respond to this, because clearly that was not an answer, like on the list of things they expected <laughs> they him to say. Yeah. <laughs> That was not, you know, that was not anything, you know, he's just like, well, maybe they would just start screaming because they'd be confused. And it's just like, okay, let's move on. Next question. Um, I will say I have met some, we've all met some people like that at some point in our lives. I mean, yes, it's a, (laughs) it is a, um, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating uh, thing to read. So it's, it's on the internet. It's, I think it's, cause I think it's a public record. It's, um. I forget when this was. I think it was like in the late 90s. It was one of his parole hearings. And it's it's pretty interesting to read because it's, I mean, I, I think, I mean, again, I don't really know. But just based on, I, I get the sense that, you know, a lot of criminals, not just serial killers, but criminals in general, and we've all known people like this, that they're always, it's always a con. Like you never get yeah. the straight story. Like, 
even if it's just a petty criminal, you know, they're always trying to grift you somehow. And they're always trying to like frame things to their advantage or to, to paint the situation a different way. And I get the sense with him that that's, there's, there's way less of that going on. It's just that he's like genuinely sees the world from this different, very odd vantage point that is maybe not realistic, but is like, but is true to how his mind works. Yeah, it's which like real to him, it, right? Yeah, it makes it like way weirder and more fascinating. Um, I don't know how we got onto this. Oh, Ed Kemper. So, <laughs> Ed Kemper, yes. <laughs> and then Michael Jordan. So I don't know how to explain that. I but, don't either. Um, it was very odd. I, it was very peculiar. I really have never given much thought at all to Michael Jordan. Do you remember your dreams as a general rule? I do. I usually do. It's. Um, I don't know why. They're always kind of like movies. I. I most most of the time usually recollect them if not if i don't like try to grasp them right you know as soon as i wake up then i lose them but um yeah for the most part i can remember them pretty vividly how about you can you uh uh yeah sometimes it's that thing of like but it's that thing where you know when you wake up they start fading away and if you don't like i don't keep like a i do keep like a little notebook by my bed that's just for ideas and whatever i mean i don't write down my dreams or anything though just because maybe i should i mean i feel like maybe that's a thing i could um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything to be learned from. It's hard to tell, actually. It seems like there's only two possibilities. That either dreams are really, really significant and important and have like a lot of, you know, and, and like tie into a lot of things that happen in our, our mind and our life and our emotional state, or they have no importance at all. Yeah, it seems so like they're just nonsense. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's either your brain just flushing a bunch of like bits, you know, down the mental toilet while you sleep, or there's some significant thing that we should all really be learning and paying attention to. But, you know, I don't even, I forget who it was who made this observation that, you know, I mean, the problem with dreams is like, there's no way to like, it. it's like the most, I mean, I would say it's probably the most common experience that there's no way to truly compare or study. Mm -hmm. I mean, except for death. I mean, I guess death is the only shared experience that is less, um, available because there's like I I mean unless something has changed I don't think there's really any way to like they can't monitor your dreams or anything right I mean they can monitor what your brain is doing but they can't really yeah. that's I what mean, I've always been curious about with that because I do hear people like some people how it's very um, normal for them to only see in black and white in the dreams like you were talking about which I've never that's strange I've yeah. never had that I've never had that either that's never anything that I've even thought about I knew somebody who was right-handed, but whenever uh, in all of her dreams, she was left-handed. Oh, weird. Every, any time in her dream where she was like like opening a door, writing something, it was always with her left hand. But in real life, she was not at all ambidextrous, totally right-handed. And like that was actually a thing that fascinated me because especially because your left hand is controlled by the right hemisphere of your brain mm. and vice versa. And so then it was like, well, when she's dreaming, is it like some different section of her brain that's controlling her dreams and why is that only asserting itself when she's asleep which is totally fascinating and completely uh impervious to any sort of examination by science i don't think there's <laughs> any way we could do anything with that so um why were you thinking about michael landon greg uh so yeah, was, i want to know why both of you were thinking about michael so the reason landon. it came up to me well that i was thinking about it is um i haven't had a haircut in you know a number of months at this point and if i i, I kind of like hairspray it down to where it's like a helmet head for anything that's on camera. But if I don't, I can, I'm getting close to having Michael Landon 
circa um 1991 highway to heaven yeah more yeah. highway to heaven than oh, little house on the prairie man. more highway to heaven here where <laughs> I'm, I'm getting close to where i could do it and i'm like that is a look i don't know if that's something that needs to come back but i might be, be able to do it if you get it if i feather it out i, I would imagine somebody who's good at my mom was dealing so with hair. sad when michael landon died i totally remember that oh yeah i think there was a lot of people's moms that were sad when yeah. michael landon died. i would say i was gonna say that's he's totally a mom i don't even know if it's a mom crush it's like mm-hmm. It's sort of a chase. It's hard to imagine having any sort of like genuinely carnal interest in Michael Landon. That's like a. <laughs> God, that's like carnal a, I mean, somebody, that's wasn't he like a notorious <laughs> womanizer? I believe he was, which I can't even picture really. Because much I thought at that all. something like bad a, happened. Like, I thought he did something. Because I, I remember oh, his did name. Oh, did he do was, something bad? I thought his name was like tainted for oh, some Oh, God. Reason. Is there something we're I don't forgetting? Know. Probably. Uh, I, I mean, I don't. I, so it's. Uh, Michael Landon is one of those guys. I think moms, most moms, at least in a certain generation, have like this common set of of male celebrities that they they all are really into. Like all mom, like I think all moms, at least for people like in kind of our generation, generally speaking, I think all moms are into Willie Nelson. Oh yeah, I think I think they all. Huh, that's an interesting one. My mom I, liked. I, yeah, she liked Willie. Nelson. My mom loved. How about John Denver? I was going to say John Denver, mm-hmm. Julio Iglesias. <gasps> My mom loves Julio Iglesias. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Moms uh, love Julio Iglesias, and Michael Landon is right in there, too. What about um, Tom Selleck? Tom Selleck is the king. king. That's what I was going to yeah. say. He, like, yep. He's like the apex. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> With the mustache. I mean, and mom, and... Yeah. And, and, like, and, and my mom was not given to, like, I mean, my mom wasn't really, you know, she wasn't somebody who, like, sort of pined over celebrities or, or whatever. She wasn't really into that. Mm. But Tom Selleck was like, she was like, that was the only guy that she would ever just sort of make these sort of like half joking comments about, you know, about, about how fine he was or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I mean, cause let's be honest, we all have eyeballs and he's fine. He's a, he's oh no, he's a, I mean, Tom Selleck. Oh yeah. He's a handsome looking man. I'm just saying there's some, he had some <laughs> special appeal to women of a certain age in a certain kind of household in a certain era in America. Um, I, I don't know of, what that's about. I thought of another one. What about Neil Diamond? My mom. Neil Diamond. Oh, yeah. Neil Diamond's definitely Neil, up there. I also love Neil For Diamond. For sure. But yeah. For sure. I, I got to say, I mean, I went to, this is maybe not quite in the same, this is a different kind of, uh, different kind of fan, different kind of celebrity. I got to say that I've seen Barry Manilow in concert a few times. And I mean, there's, yep. I mean, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of Mary Kay sales ladies out there that love Barry Manilow. That's a, it's, it's, I mean, that's exactly, I mean, it's just, it's women that, you know, it's like they, it's, it's hard. They, you know, they, they all kind of look like Edie McClurg who played uh, principal. He played Ed Rooney's, she played Ed Rooney's secretary. Oh, yes. yes. Uh-huh. Oh, Ed, with your back, you shouldn't be throwing anyone. Yeah. Was, like the whole front row at a Barry Manilow concert is like Edie McClurg just cloned and, you know, and then like just, just swooning. I mean, just like, I, it's, it's a little disturbing to watch actually. It's uh yeah, I have anyway. to say, I've been to, I've seen Neil Diamond, well, I saw him, I guess he's not touring anymore, but I saw him three times, and every time, it was, my sister, my mom, and I, only Greg came once, but all wearing our matching yeah. homemade Neil Diamond shirts, but just surrounded by women that looked exactly like that, just screaming, yep. and sequins, and, like, I don't know, like, like necklaces with, like, I don't know, like, little shot glasses dangling from him, like, little plastic thing, and just, you know, <laughs> awesome. shot glasses. screaming, Neil, like, scream, I have never... It was. It's a tie between going to see Neil Diamond and when I saw New Kids on the Block for the loudest shrieking women I have ever seen. 
It was wow. deafening. I mean, I was because I went to that <laughs> that new kids show with you. Oh yeah. Just I mean, that was a that was an interesting social experiment on its own. And then I went there with Sarah and her sister, and then they both ditched me because they got upgraded to like hundred fr- level. Yeah, yeah. hundred level seats. So I got stuck up there, and then um, what was it? I you were in the three hundred level, and you yeah, were, you got indicted uh, yeah. like. I got brought into Welcome the into mom's club. Single, or mom's, single club? mom's club. Yeah. Because I was just the single guy up there. And they're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I don't know. And uh, they're like, well, you could join us in the single mom's club. I'm like, oh, all right. I'm in the single mom's club now. Um, but it was so loud. And I've been to Motorhead, like up next to the speaker at a Motorhead show. And I thought that was the loudest thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> it was new kids block. on the block from the 300 <laughs> level. That is the loudest I, uh... thing I've ever heard. Sarah, when you saw the New Kids on the Block, was it in the Kingdom? No, well, I saw, yeah, the first time I saw them uh, was in the Kingdom in like 19, 1989 or 1990. Mm-hmm. And then when we just saw them this past, they they came last, I believe, last June or July. Something like that. And that's when that. we got to meet them. So my sister and I went to the sh- to the concert and got to meet them. But And that's when they were touring with, um, who was it? Was it uh, Naughty well, by Nature? Naughty by Nature, who I wanted to see. Uh, uh, Salt, and, Salt Peppa and Peppa and Tiffany. And Tiffany and Debbie Gibson. Yeah. Wow. It was, wow. Mm-hmm. it was, uh, in fucking incredible. It was so amazing. And they did like the staggered stages, like mm-hmm. new kids on the block would like start at the front and then like walk to a backstage. And as they get to one platform, a platform comes rising out of the main stage and Tiffany's raising up saying like children be it. It's so fucking great. It was amazing. <laughs> it gives, it still gives me chills to think about it. It was, it was so I, awesome. uh, so my friend Brandon, worked security at that 1989 new kids show in the kingdom no shit so that was the one i was at oh my god yeah yeah he was yeah he was so he was like a security guard there and he was one of the guys down front when like you know people get pressed up against the screen like you know an eggplant going through a grater and it's (laughs) his that was no that was his whole thing he's like my job was to make sure that kids didn't get crushed like and like get you know like julienne through the gate that's fair. Um, at the front, because it was, you know, because there's like 30,000 people behind you pressing you forward. Right. And um, and he said, yeah, he said it was the loudest, not just the loudest concert, but like the loudest single noise he'd ever heard in his life. <laughs> I mean, it was, I, uh, which makes sense because I saw, so I think the loudest, I mean, Motorhead usually sort of takes, you know, I'll say this, Motorhead was the loudest music I've ever been exposed mm. to. I mean, where it was like you could feel your eardrums being pushed inward, like oh, touching yeah. your brain. Uh, but when I saw the Spice Girls in <laughs> 1999, uh, the Spice, and that was like mostly like 11 to 13 year old girls, not a lot of boys there. Mm-hmm. That was ungodly loud because it's that high-pitched you know the not quite at puberty voice that's like that a couple notches like higher oh yeah and it was i mean it was like hearing a jet airplane land right next to your ears it was unreal how loud that was and it was outdoors it wasn't even inside and it was it was like i could feel it like rattling the teeth loose from my jaw (laughs) it was crazy but was so the show amazing? A, I don't I think I've known, I know anybody else who's seen Spice Girls. Was it cool? I remember almost nothing about <laughs> the show. I mean, I mean, I think the the screaming is really the only thing I remember. That's it. It's actually weird. I now that I say that out loud, I don't think I know. I don't think I've even heard of anybody else who's seen the Spice Girls. Yeah, I have not. And I went yeah, as I think uh, we went as them for Halloween one year. Me and my friends did, but <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, I have not seen them. Which I way? was. Uh, 
I might have been a little disengaged from the concert itself because it was after Jerry Hallowell had left and she was my favorite. Oh, so yeah. Was, oh, Ginger. You know, did yes. they have a replacement for her or did they just no. went without her? No, oh, that's just, weird. No, it was just the other four. It was so, it was, uh, oh. I was, you know, it's that's a little you know, disappointing. I, yeah, I was not, uh, I was, it was not all that. Uh, here's the thing about Michael Landon's hair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong about this or is he, I can't think of any other celebrity, male celebrity, who has that particular hairstyle. That's only him. That's that's true. Now, Patrick Swayze for a time had something pretty similar, not quite the same. But the Swayze kind of mixed it up a little bit. But there was an era where he did. Like that, that wasn't synonymous. Uh, Roadhouse era-ish. Mm. Yeah. Where, but for a while there, he had something kind of going along those lines. I mean, it's a little bit different, but still pretty, pretty uh, you know... I guess uh, it, the hairstyle stood out. But Michael Landon, yeah. I don't think anybody's ever had anything quite like his. No, There's, quite a specific, because well, you say Michael Landon here, you know exactly what it looks well, like. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, if you're old enough to know who Michael yeah, Landon is. Yeah. But the thing for me with Michael Landon is it, I don't know, it always goes back to this in my head, because my brother my brother and his buddy had like a pop punk band in college, and they had a song called He's Got Michael Landon Hair. And the refrain <laughs> from that, the chorus always comes back in my head, where it's, he's got Michael Landon hair. And I don't even remember what the song was about, other than they repeat that several oh times. God. He's got Michael Landon hair. And so it's always in my head anytime we talk about I Michael remember. The- I feel <laughs> oh, like if you, like if, if someone just showed me like just like if you took a, a picture of Michael Landon and you photoshopped out everything but the hair, I would still know exactly who it was. If you just showed me just the sort of ups, the sort of horseshoe shaped like, yeah, be like Michael Landon. I like the idea I, of this game, like because there's him. I Tom Selleck's mustache might be up there, although then you get into like Burt yes. Reynolds territory, maybe. But uh, yeah, like synonymous hairstyles and. Yeah, Michael Landon's definitely there. I was there. thinking, because when you said that there was, you know, your brother had a song called Michael Landon's Hair, I remember hearing about a band, I don't even know anything about them, but I love their name. It was uh, Peter Gallagher's Trustworthy Eyebrows. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think that was the name of a band. I heard it like 10 years ago, and I'm like, that is solid. Because Peter, like, everyone also knows what Peter Gallagher's eyebrows look like. Yeah. I mean, do you? I mean, That's I do, true. Oh, least. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was the greatest name for a band. I'm like, I don't even have to listen to them. I love them. Well, there was a there was another band called Sandy Duncan's Glass Eye too. That was <laughs> that's right. Oh yeah. It's you know what's weird is how we just file away little individual bits of. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, it's not like I need to feel sorry for Sandy Duncan. You know, she had a. I don't even know if she's still alive, but she was successful and you know was yeah. had a a fairly solid career as an as an actor and everything. But it's like, but of course. But that's the one thing that everyone knows about her is that like she has like a glass left eye or whatever, which is like that's a I don't even know that that's I mean, it's not necessarily bad. It's just it's just a weird thing that the entire culture knows that that's a pretty intimate detail for all of us to know about essentially a total stranger for like a hundred million to know. Well, yeah. isn't that weird? I think about, you know, how rumors and not, that's, well, I mean, that wasn't rumors. So that was clear. But it's funny when you talk to people like how we all have these like cultural, like knowledgeable bits. Like if you say something like Richard Gere and Gerbil, like everybody knows, even though there was no Internet and we all know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, right. That just always fascinates me. Yeah. Well, that's like the nature of. So uh, a thing that is sort of getting lost in is as the years go on is so there's this guy, Richard Dawkins, who's a sort of philosopher and a scientist and an author and whatever, and kind of a dick, frankly, but, um, uh, but uh, he's like a really strident atheist and, you know, and sort of, sort of off-putting smart, but kind of the guy you sense, you kind of don't want to be next to him at a party. Gotcha. Um, Yeah. But, 
but he created the Richard Dawkins created the term meme, M-E-M-E. And now meme sort of means, you know, a picture with like words above it or whatever, you know, but but technically a meme is just any sort of viral idea. It's any idea that is passed from one person to another to another. So it's any sort of intangible thing, a notion that is spread virally throughout the world. And and that and it was exactly because of things like that. It was the idea of things like urban legends or of, you know, that, you know, that a story can sort of just spread, you know, especially before the internet, it could just sort of seemingly just spread from nowhere and then become, you know, and go everywhere. And it's just a, and it is strange. It's just a weird thing, you know, that our brains do that. And that we, and that our brains somehow deem that information worthy enough to file what Richard right. here, gerbil, got it. And we flag it and like, and we keep, think of all this important stuff you've forgotten in your life. Oh yeah. Things that you really should remember, Yeah, you know, like, where's the fire extinguisher or whatever. And it's just, you know, I'd like how to escape from, you know, from a car, if it falls off the bridge, I don't know any of these things. And yet I totally know, you know, about Sandy Duncan's glass eye. I totally know the story about Richard Gere. I remember what Michael Landon's hair looks like. I can picture it. I mean, it's my brain has no sense of like what's important. My brain is the worst judge in the world of what information I will be able to like really what I'll need to know in the future. No, I get it. Like even when I think back to college, I'm like, I went to I went to school for four years. I do not remember a goddamn thing I learned in there. Nope. I graduated, did all right, <laughs> uh, but don't really remember a goddamn thing. Nope, not at all. Yeah, but like yeah. the entire lyrics to My Chemical Romance's Black Parade, check. Back to Michael Landon's <laughs> hair. Um, who would somebody else be like iconic if you just had like that game, like you were saying, like Billy Ray could... Cyrus, Billy? Yes, perfect. Wait, what's the I mean, like Billy Ray, the game is if you just see somebody's hair Cyrus. and you have to identify yeah. who the person oh, yeah. is, like the face is digitally removed. So Michael Landon, Billy Ray Cyrus, Steven Tyler, Steven Tyler, because uh, he has like the white maybe. streaks now. It's really pretty. Oh well, now yeah, now okay, yeah, but maybe now. not yeah. back then. All right. Well, um, definitely uh, Ginger Spice, whoever you're talking about. Like, you would know hers. Would you, though? I don't know. I, don't I think so either. I loved her hair. I, I mean, but so. I don't know if I just saw the hair, if I would be able to spot that it was her. What about Pink? Uh, mm. Maybe. Mm. No, it kind of changes. Well, you guys give it a, give an idea. Uh, you know, Lionel Richie. Think... Maybe. maybe. Stevie Wonder? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably. I probably would be able to get that. Yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know. Right. See, not see. This now is this again is harder than I just, thought. Yeah. I can feel my system resources slowing down as all thought mm. process goes towards <laughs> thinking about this. Because uh, I feel like there's somebody really obvious that we're missing somehow. Yeah. I, I feel like there's like a, like a, like a singer or performer who is really I, I feel like there's somebody that everybody is probably out there going what about and they're yelling somebody really obvious and we just can't like somebody whose hair was their trademark yeah. oh mr jenky has a good one in our chat nelson you would know oh exactly totally there you go nelson was yep what about little richard during that one uh, era i mean and well like in the 50s he certainly he had this he had this like like really impressive pompadour thing going on that was sort yeah. of awesome um I mean, this is a generational thing, but uh, for for people of my era and Greg possibly, uh, Brian Bosworth, who played for the oh, Seattle yeah. Seahawks, yeah, because I'd probably he get that. Was, 
Yeah, he was one of the first guys. He did the sort of notch, the horizontal notches on the side, and then he would like be he would dye it the colors of whatever team they were playing that week. And again, I know fuck all about sports, and I right. took Brian Bothford's hair from 1988. Well, that then vanilla ice. I was just gonna say yeah. vanilla ice. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, vanilla ice because yes. of those lines. Oh, flock of seagulls. Yes. That's solid. I wouldn't be able to remember his name, but Flaxy goes, oh, Mr. Janky, Donald Trump. Yeah, that's true. Oh. That is true. Uh, that, um, is, that is really that true. That is solid. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay, here's just as a side note. This is I'm sure that I've mentioned this before, but here's the thing that continues to fascinate me. Like year after year after year after year, I kind of keep waiting to see if somebody else will like grab the ball and run with this. It's because it's like this weird unspoken thing you know, there aren't a lot of, I mean, especially now, post-internet, there aren't a lot of, there aren't a lot of, like, taboos, by which I mean, uh, by which I mean, like, celebrity questions or topics you're not supposed to, like, ask, or things, you know, that it gets considered impolite to sort of raise your hand at a press conference and go, like, hey, what about, I mean, mm. we broach most of those, but here's something that we still don't talk about, which is no one ever brings up the fact, like, no one ever mentions how strange and seemingly improbable it is that all rock stars, regardless of age, still have a big, lustrous, full head of hair. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not judging. Again, whatever. I, I, of all people, I'm not judging at all. I'm just saying it's a weird thing in that it's totally unremarked on. And un think of it, because, I mean, we've totally reached an era where we, we comment on celebrities you know, plastic surgery or any sort of augmentation or whatever. I mean, that right or wrong, that's a thing that we all now do. And mm -hmm. certainly the media does. They will talk about, they'll pick, it's often a female celebrity, but they'll pick somebody and they'll be like, so-and-so, you know, just had whatever done or had blah, 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 rhinoplasty or what they'll point out. But like, no one ever says like, hey, Steven Tyler, you're 75. How can you have all this hair? Like, <laughs> I mean- and I'm not. It's. A, I'm not trying to be a dick by saying that. It's mm -hmm. just. It's just weird that it's never commented on. It's like it's right there on the table, and no one ever says. You know, no one ever like. It's just. It's like. It's like we all have this. Even now, have this collective, like childlike emotional investment in the godlike nature of certain musicians, and we can't bring ourselves to mention that, like, hey, maybe your hair is plastic or whatever. <laughs> um, I was just having, randomly enough, uh, with our friend Scott Daly, I was having a conversation with him about Nick Cave. And I yes. was like, did you ever, because, and he never really gave it much thought. I'm like, so we're watching, like, one of his videos, and I'm like, where Nick Cave is clearly going very bald. And then, you know, a couple of years later, Full thick head of hair again. I'm like, Wait, are we talking Nick Cave the musician or Nick Cage the actor? Nick Cave the musician. Okay, yeah, yeah no, Nick yeah, he's, he's yeah. got like the Morrissey sort of pompadour totally kind of did, thing. But I was on. watching one of his older videos, and his hair was like you know Jeremy pivoting it, where it was like getting really far back. And then all of a sudden, like a couple of years later, I'm like, Scott, did you ever know? I think he, I think he has something. And he's like, you know what? I never noticed that because all of a sudden it like started growing back in reverse. I'm yep. like, yeah, I don't think uh, that's what happened. Oh, so here's the here's the funny thing about that is that even before you mentioned his name, as you're describing it, I was like, like just like Jeremy Piven, like yes. Jeremy Piven's hair is like Sandy Duncan's glass eye. It's like yeah. the one thing we all just sort of and again, good for him, whatever. But right. it's just that's the one thing we all know that it was like going this way and then whoop, coming back this way. Well, because it was such a stark difference. Like the the only other person I can think is LeBron, LeBron James. Yep. Yeah. Because LeBron was totally balding, and then all of a sudden, one year the NBA season starts, and he's got this full, perfect hairline like, up really in the front, defined, like, straight across. Yeah, really defined. It's like now is right. that 
Is that true? Like it wasn't because I don't really follow sports. It wasn't just that he was shaving his head. It's that it was balding and then it's now it's back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely that. He had something done because you can, there's all kinds of pictures of him where, you know, I mean, whatever, but it was definitely balding and I I don't think intentionally. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden he's just got this, you know, beautiful head of hair in the front. It's like, it's like all perfectly lined across (laughs) like that. And that's that. That's not real. That is true though, because everyone is so quick to be like, oh, look, they got their eyes done or nose or lips or whatever. But like with hair. Nobody really does say anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's that it's just it is it's like consider apparently it must just be this like the one of the last great like celebrity taboos, which which sort of is strange because in the grand scheme of things, if you think about like on the level of like, you know, how personal a question is like we I mean, when I say we like as a society, like we comment on way more personal things about, you know, celebrity appearances sometimes. And that seems kind of tame. And yet it's just, it's just like, it's just like never, it's never mentioned. It's never commented on. The only exception I can think of is, and I think Greg, you said you had this book, but you hadn't read it yet. It's I Want My MTV. Yes. Um, so I, I really, first of all, I cannot recommend that book enough. It's fantastic. And the audio version is good too. Um, but um, there's just all kinds of stuff that I, I learned from that book, which, you know, is amazing. But, but the great thing about the book, I Want My MTV, is that almost without exception, the people who are interviewed, and it's like everybody you can possibly imagine. It's like rock stars and pop stars and you know managers and producers and video directors and the guys who founded MTV and you know the, the, like Adam Curry and Tabitha Soren. It's like everybody, Weird Al, everybody you can imagine. And most of them have reached a point in their career one way or another where they just don't give a fuck. Like they have no reason <laughs> to hold back anything they've they have no bridges to burn doesn't matter so they can just they just there's no filter and they interview this guy um uh alan niven is his name uh i believe he's the guy i'm thinking of who is a manager and he managed um i believe at one point he was managing both a dokken and great white and he and he actually did they were talking about all the things that they used to hide in budgets in the 80s and um, most most notably cocaine, where they would like I, bury that in the catering budget. It <laughs> right. would be, you know, the, there'd be like this mysterious $10,000 charge for bagels or whatever. And but and so that's where they would hide all the drugs. He said, he's like, uh, we didn't hide cocaine in the catering budget. Uh, that's where we hid all the hair transplant surgery. Uh, <laughs> and, he, and he totally was up front. He was just, you know, he's just like Don Doc. And he's like, good hair down here. Big ball of sunshine up on top. No good. And so he so he talked about that. And he, and he also talked about Jack Russell from Great White, um, like getting like getting his hair replaced. And he said that was a real problem because before he used to wear like a weave. And he's like, oh, that was really handy because that's where like he'd hide his percadan was inside his weave. Oh, my so God. He had, to, <laughs> he had to find a new place once he got like hair transplants. Couldn't hide. Couldn't hide drugs under his toupee anymore. Along those lines, something else. And I don't know why this is coming up now. I think because I was thinking about Michael Landon here. Um in college, we had, we would sometimes just grab, you know, the random VHS tapes you'd see at Goodwill. Be yeah. like, all right, let's just see what this is. And there was one that we got, and it was a hair replacement thing, but it was starring Nelson. Uh, what were the name? It was Gunner, and I can't remember the other Matthew one's name. Matthew and Gunner. Matthew and Gunner. And it was starring them, and they're talking about, like, their hair loss, and then all of a sudden, you know, they've got their full head of hair. But they were, like, totally upfront about it, because that's probably where they needed to make some money at that point, was endorse the hair thing. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, that's that's what it was about. It was about Nelson's hair replacement. They're like, you used to know us for our long blonde locks, but 
something happened. Now we got this new treatment. And then it's a whole like half hour like infomercial. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I wish I could ever find it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe Todd Workoven feels like, I feel like he would be able to find that somehow. <laughs> right. But um, but yeah, it was, it was, we would watch it. I don't know why, but we, we were so fascinated with it that we would watch the, that over and over. I, I, so here's why I just to bring it all back. So the reason I'm thinking about Michael Landon is that so uh, on the cover of it wasn't the Inquirer. It was the National Examiner, I believe. And it's, you know, there's that thing where you can you can sort of, you know, I always view generations or age as like a conveyor belt where, you know, you get on at this this end when you're born and you get off at this end when you die. And. And like right around like, I don't know, one third of the way or halfway along the conveyor belt, it's like it's sort of like living is like being on this conveyor belt that's going by this, uh, you know, that's like that's like going by this this uh, uh, like a like a store shelf and whatever's available on the store shelf, you know, changes the further you get down the conveyor belt. And when you're right in the middle that's when there's all the best, most expensive, shiniest stuff right in front of you because that's where they're, you know, that's who they're trying to get their money from. You know, at the very beginning, you don't have any money, you don't have a job, so there's like nothing there. At the end, you're basically just, you know, taking spinach souffle through a straw twice a day so they don't give a fuck, so there's nothing. Um, <laughs> but as you get toward the end, you know, there's just fewer and fewer things targeted toward you. And you can like see this when you look at certain products. And so I'm looking at the cover of the examiner this week and I forget who else is on it, but it's just, it's like just a list of people who only appeal to like people 65 and up or whatever. And so it's, you know, it's like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, you know, their brave last days, Ernest <laughs> Borgnine, will there ever be another, you know? And, and then right at the top, it was a picture of Michael Landon and with his fucking hair and his whatever. And then it's, and then the headline is, this is the thing that leapt out at me because they must have really just been scratching for material this week. It said, Michael Landon, his inspiring words of courage. Uh, what was it? It was um, it was like his final, his final inspiring message of courage found 29 years after his death. Not 25, not 30, 29. <laughs> they were just like, they wanted to wait till next year, obviously, but they were just like, fuck it. We have nothing <laughs> else to put on the cover. Move up the Michael we Landon go piece. Early. <laughs> We got to go big right now. Yeah. I mean, um, I know crazy. we were hoping to make a big splash with this by <laughs> unveiling it next year. 29 it is. Boom. Go. So, I mean, well, everyone knows to look for that now. Yeah. Our future, you know, when it's just going to be, I don't know. I don't even know who it'll fucking be when I'm, it'll be Mr. T or somebody when I'm, you know, when I'm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, another iconic hairdo. Oh. Oh, totally. Mr. Yeah. T. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that is very that would iconic. in there. Wow, I see. That's that's really good. Well done. Perfect. We're, we're getting close that. to a game out of this. I don't know. Maybe. No, this is that. I mean, <laughs> that's a good idea. That like that would that could be a book actually, where it's a you know it's a could be like one of those um one of those kids books where it's like there's the cutout on the page and you turn it and then you see the whole picture or whatever. Oh yeah, where it's just the hair oh, lifts up. Like, yeah, it'd be like a stencil thing where you can only see the hair and then you turn the page and boom, you see the whole face. But the page before it has got a little cutout, so you only see the hair. Ooh, or it could be a coloring book where you can like fill or like you know draw in the faces with yes. the hair. That yes, would be fun. Oh, there's some other options in here. Yeah, I like this. Um, that's the thing. Right, once you have the idea, you know, then it's like the rest of the book. You just hire somebody to do that. That's just having the idea, <laughs> and you're like, okay, now somebody go write that. All it's, right, that's it's trademarked on this episode yes. right now. 
officially. It's like when you hear a, like a title for something and you like, you ever see a book or a movie or whatever and you're like, they just came up with the title and they're like, well, fuck it, now we have to do it. And they just hired some guy to go pound out a script or to whatever oh, yeah. because the title was just too good to... So I saw this book the other day. It was called, I thought of Sarah actually, it's called The Babysitter's Coven. Ooh, I would totally watch that. No idea what it's about. No idea I what mean, it's about. I mean, and yet I 100%. totally know what it's about, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, when they're like babysitter's coven, someone's like, fucking genius, go. I mean, it's like there's a whole series of children's book that's just called, it's either pirate puppies or puppy pirates, I forget. Oh, um, that's adorable. But somebody, yeah, he's right. And somebody in a meeting was like, puppy pirates, uh, yes. And then they Sold. just, you know, farm that out to somebody. <laughs> Well, thank you. Brett. All right. That may be a next episode where we talk about that next week. Um, we know how to name perfect. books and have people make them. Yes. <laughs> Jesus, it's been like 50 minutes. I know. I'm just realizing no, what time it is, too. Yeah. It has been. Yeah. Um, this has been delightful. Thank you, as always. This always kicks off, um, you know, our weeks during the apocalypse on the best note. Yes. Clearly, the episode's got to be called Michael Landon's hair. No, it's, it's going to be called Back to Michael Landon's hair. <laughs> Back to Michael Landon's hair. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Send us an email, radio at gmail.com. Give us a call, 513-575-9120. Rick Emerson, as always, uh, awesome. You're a treasure. Thank you for coming Happy and joining us. <laughs> All right. I don't even know where we go from there. We I covered a lot we, of territory. I think we say I do. We bid I do. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be yeah. back tomorrow with Bye. more Fun Employment Radio. Bye, friends. <laughs> oh, that's gold.